Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Plumfield in Person. Hi, I'm Diane Pendergraft, and I'm here with Sarah Masaryk. And we have with us today Sherry Early, the author of Picture Book Preschool, and Sarah Kim of BiblioGuides. Diane, I'm so glad that we have Sarah and Sherry here with us today. They are lovely ladies. We've really enjoyed getting to know Sherry the last couple of months in a number of projects we're working on together. And it's a treat to be able to talk to her about Picture Book Preschool today. We have Sarah here to join us as well because Sarah used the Picture Book Preschool with her oldest and the Picture Book Preschool is available for purchase at the BiblioGuides website. And so this is a neat little way to bring these two worlds together. So thank you so much for being here today. We're glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to be here. And Sarah, you also have Yuna with you today, right? Yes, please excuse the baby noises again. No, it's a delightful thing. You know what they say about churches that aren't crying, they are dying. And so I love that. I love it when Yuna comes because it's just a reminder of what we're really doing here. I think that's perfect for a preschool episode. I mean, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) So Sherry, tell us how you came up with the idea of the picture book preschool. Well, picture book preschool is a fairly simple book that lists a lot of picture books for you to read with your preschooler. And uh, the core of it is a list really of classic and well-loved picture books. But it really started a long time ago. I was in library school at the University of Texas and I took a children's literature class and part of the one of the assignments for the children's lit class was for us to make an annotated list of a hundred of what we thought were the best picture books at the time. Wow. Now, at that time, my only experience with picture books was the ones my mom read to me when I was little. And I hadn't read any picture books in, in years. I didn't have any children. I was young. But I found what I thought were the hundred best picture books and uh, (laughs) we annotated them on little note cards and so on. So I started out with that list and then I became a school librarian. And so I was doing story times for kindergartners and first graders and second graders. And I began to see which of those picture books really were Uh, good for read aloud, especially good for read aloud with groups, and which of them maybe were not as good as I thought they were. (laughs) My list kind of evolved and and I added to it as I as I was got experience as a librarian. And then I had my first child and I started out reading picture books to her. And I continued to build this list um, partly in my mind, on paper. This was sort of before personal computers were very uh, common. <laughs> I don't know how old I am. I had a list, like I said, partly on paper and partly in my mind. And mm-hmm. then I have eight children. So as I had more children, probably about my fourth or fifth child, I also got a 
computer <laughs> and, um, began to type up this list of picture books and put them into groups by subject and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know, this might be helpful to someone else. And so I put it all together that way. I love that. So <laughs> you started <laughs> off like we all do, knowing everything there is to know until you actually have a child. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden you realize that's not actually how it all works. <laughs> so then you road tested this with your eight children. Did you share it with friends initially? How did you, how did you distribute it originally? Um, goodness. Oh, my husband is, um, he's an engineer, but he was, before we married, he was on the printing business. Wow. So he had wait so he went from printing to nasa engineer yes <laughs> <laughs> that's a story that i need to know at some point <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a whole nother story um he uh he had a comb binder mm -hmm. and so we typed it up or printed it up i don't remember and he did a cover for it and we comb bound it and gave it or uh sold it to friends for you know the cost that it cost us to make it sure and um yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely <laughs> so you you've read these books you've loved these books and this time you had no idea you were going to become a living books librarian right no right. I was like I said I was a school librarian and then when I had children I quit that and stayed home with with uh eventually all eight of them began collecting books because that was you know that, that was something that I I I loved I've always loved children's books even when I was grown and in college and stuff like that I didn't read so many picture books but I read a lot of uh, middle grade fiction and stuff like that sure um so I started collecting those books for my children and then eventually, yeah, opened the library after they were um, grown or almost grown. Lovely. So when did you start blogging? Was that before or after you opened your library? Um, before. I okay. started blogging in, uh, I have a blog called Semicolon and I um, I review a lot of books there, picture books and, and, and just everything that I read everything. Yeah. Um, and I started blogging in 2003, which was wow. really the, the beginning, the beginning of, of the blog craze or whatever you call it. <laughs> it sort of went out of, uh, sort of went out of fashion and people were doing, are doing other things now, podcasting and, and social media. Yeah. <laughs> on Facebook and stuff like that. But, but there are a lot of us still blogging. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a good thing because the podcast, you have to sit and listen and you can't search it as easily. And the wonderful thing about the blog is people can go to your website and just look, look and see which books you've reviewed and get a really great review. So we're glad you do that. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. So did you originally sell this curriculum which is not really a curriculum it's a guide it's almost what would you say how would you qualify it it's not a guide it's not a curriculum it's not a shopping list usually I just tell people that it's a, it's mostly just a book list a book because list. 
I don't want them to get the idea that it's uh, got a lot of bells and whistles and mm. stuff like that. You know? On the other hand, I purposely tried to keep it simple yes. because I had eight children. Couldn't do all the bells and whistles, even if I wanted to, which I sort of did because I enjoyed doing, you know, activities and field trips and all those kinds of things with my kids. But I, I couldn't do all this stuff, but I could read to them and I could do, you know, maybe a simple activity to go with the books that I was reading each week or, you know, something something easy. And so that's what I put in the picture book preschool. I put a list of seven books for each week, um, tied loosely tied to a subject. And then um, for most of the weeks, there's a suggested activity or two to do mm -hmm. with a child. Um, and these are all, those are all just simple things like um, I don't know. I'm trying to look and see what's on here. Um, go for a boat ride or visit a bridge and talk about bridges and canals mm. for the week that the books are about bridges and, and rivers and things like that. So something, something easy that I could do with four or five or six children. Sure. And, um, but something that would add a little bit to the reading experience too. But they're and, suggestions, right? It's not yeah. like you have failed if you don't do all of these things. And I think that's so important about almost any curriculum or guide or suggestions or lists or anything is you just, I always call it the grocery store method. You don't go shopping and buy everything at Walmart. You get what you need and you leave the rest of it there for someone else. And I, I just think that's so important to say about anything that we're talking about like this is you don't have to do it all. Nobody's grading you. <laughs> well, even the books themselves are suggestions because, right. you know, there are seven books listed for each week of the year. So there and some book, some weeks have a, like a bonus book. So some weeks have eight books listed. So there is like 300 and some odd books listed in this curriculum or book list. And you're not going to read all of them. No. And you're not even going to probably be able to find all of them at mm -hmm. your library or, or even for sale at a reasonable price. Some of them are older books that, that are hard to find. But I want you to know about them so that if you find them, then you, you know, that's a good one. I, I should get that one. Mm -hmm. um, and it's but, a good list to take with you if you're going to garage sales or a library book sale. Because you could do a quick look at that list and say, oh, yeah, that one's a treasure. I better grab that one. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, you're probably not going to get around to reading seven different picture books a week, every <laughs> no. week, you know, for the for a whole year anyway. So if you only find three or four for week one, that's fine. Just read those three. Well, and yeah, because all over again, too. So <laughs> that's good, too. One of the things I was thinking as I was looking through it is, of course, not everybody's going to read seven days a week, but also that with little kids like that, a lot of times they don't want you to read seven different books. They want you to read the same one over and over and over again. And there is nothing wrong with that. They're still learning. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that the magic here is that any books you pick from this list are winners. 
You don't have to do all of them to have one. You can do one book from this list and you will have gotten a great book. And that's really what I think is, is so special is this is a marvelously curated list. You're not going to go wrong. You're not going to find any junk in here. You're not going to find any, oops, I didn't want my child knowing about that kind of books. These are all books that are going to be very good and healthy for them. So thank you for doing it, Sherry. I spent a lot of years, you know, um, coming up with all the different books and, uh, so I think they all meet my standards anyway, <laughs> and, and they're all engaging. Even the wordless ones, there are some, some wordless books in here that some books by Tana Hoban, who was a photographer, mm. and she wrote picture books that had photographs, like one is about red, blue, and yellow or something like that. Mm. Um, and it just has pictures, like a picture of a, a big picture of a red tricycle. Well, there's a lot there for you to look at with your child and and talk about and sure the colors obviously which is the focus of that book but also just all the things in the picture even sure. uh, at una's age <laughs> she would enjoy something like that probably yeah for sure could i read part of the introduction because this is something that is really uh, keeps coming up for me in just my association. It says, what is picture book preschool? And then Sherry writes, a friend of mine once asked a veteran homeschooler, what do you do for kindergarten? The homeschooler, mother of several children, looked blank for a moment and then answered, kindergarten? For kindergarten, we play dominoes after lunch. I love that because I am... My kids are grown too. I don't homeschool anymore, but I have grandkids who are, and I work with a lot of people who are doing that. And I get this question a lot. What about a preschool curriculum? And I just go, what? <laughs> how, about, how about some books? I mean, that would work. Pretty much anything would work. Spend time with them, talk to them, let them hear good language and let that be enough. Let them play. Mm -hmm. So I really like that you started that way with here's here's the method mm -hmm. read to them <laughs> yeah. and and that's part of what this is for I think it's for I, I do talk to a lot of moms of preschoolers especially you know their first child is a preschooler and they're and they're excited about getting started homeschooling mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. I want to homeschool and what do I do with what do I do what curriculum should I get and and I think you know this this is enough Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's better than filling their whole day with, uh, very academic kinds of, you know, or writing activities or whatever you want to, right. whatever the curriculum might suggest. Um, if you just read to them and do some simple things, simple games and things like that, go outside and play dominoes after lunch if you want. Yep. <laughs> even, or before. That's you can do it before if you yeah. wanted to. <laughs> enough for, that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's enough for kindergarten. We didn't start any kind of intensive reading instruction or anything like that until they were at least six or seven years old. Mm -hmm. Well, Sherry, let me ask you, if you don't mind, did you go to kindergarten? No, I did not. Mm. Maybe that's why I don't think it's, it's that it's that yeah 
<laughs> right. Because I, well, I went to a nine week play school, they called it. We had a woman in our town who, who just cycled kids through a little kindergarten that she had in her house. So she'd have her morning class and her afternoon class. And it lasted nine weeks and almost everybody in the town had gone to her school, but that's all we had for kindergarten. There was no public. And I learned to read anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and I graduated from high school. <laughs> and you are a functional, productive adult. I hope so. That. <laughs> we could get off on a tangent, but I think that the pressure for kindergartners and five-year-olds to learn to read these days in a lot of the public schools and private schools mm -hmm. is very detrimental. I, I just think okay. it's not not the best thing. Now they yep. need to be learning about books and learning to be read too. Right. But starting to do intensive reading instruction at that age is just they're not most of them are not ready for that. Right. And treating them like they're behind if they're six and they don't have it yet. Yeah. yeah. You know my pediatrician is nearing retirement and she used to always say, you know they they won't go to school in diapers, right? They will potty train mm -hmm. and they'll do it when they're ready. And I, I've always felt that way about reading as well. They will do it when they're ready. You just need to be constantly keeping books in front of them. And this is one of those skills that children really can learn, you know, on their own time, really. Mm -hmm. Sarah, how did you hear about picture book preschool? So yeah, I was looking back. I purchased Picture Book Preschool on December 22nd of 2013. So my son, who's now 12, Kwanu, would have just turned three. And I honestly don't remember where I heard about it. I think right around the time when I had just actually learned about homeschooling, that it was a thing. I Before that, I didn't even know that people homeschooled. And, <laughs> and I was really intrigued by it and I was doing a lot of research. So I must have heard about it somewhere online in a forum or something. And I had been reading to Kwanu, you know, pretty much daily since he was born. She's great. Don't worry. She's great. <laughs> it's perfect. I mean, it's always good, but it's perfect. <laughs> so I had been reading to him uh, pretty much since he was born because I love to read and, and I love kids' books and I have fond memories of being read to as a child. Mm -hmm. And he was the kind of baby that would sit and listen to a story, mm. any story I read to him. So we read a lot. Yuna's is different. She grabs the books from me. She, uh, <laughs> you know, she, she's she on the go it to be read to unless maybe <laughs> it's bedtime. But Kwanu, I read to him a lot. And so we would go to the library regularly and check out a whole stack of books mm -hmm. and at all different kinds of levels, lots of picture books. And, um, and I think at, by the time he was three and I was learning about homeschooling, it was kind of like you were saying, I was, I was like, oh, this sounds great. I want to get started. Like, what should I do? Yeah. And picture, something about picture book preschool, I think, just really appealed to me to have just a, a tiny bit more structure. Like, oh, mm -hmm. we can have a topic a week to, mm -hmm. you know, I, then I can find some books that are relevant to the time of year, the season or the holiday and have a wide variety of topics. I don't think we did very many of the activities, maybe one or two here or there. I was working, I didn't have a lot of time, um, except for when, you know, it was the evening or in the morning. And so pretty much we just read 
the books. And it was a delightful experience. I figured out the interlibrary loan because of Picture Book Preschool. <laughs> oh, <man>. Yay! <laughs> so it's like you got a merit badge <laughs> for doing Picture Book Preschool. <laughs> yeah. I Again, I didn't know interlibrary loan existed. I figured out I could get a library card from the neighboring city, which is a much larger city and has about 12 libraries in its system. Wow. And so I would, you know, it was my first foray into requesting books from the library and going to pick them up. <laughs> I would just, you know, you know, take them in the stroller to our local library and get whatever I could find there. Right. But this opened my world to, oh, there are all these other excellent books. And, and like Sherry said, I wasn't able to find all of them, mm-hmm. but I was able to get a lot of them through interlibrary loan or, you know, the other libraries. And it was fantastic. She introduced mm-hmm. me to books and authors that I was not familiar with that I didn't have growing up. Again, I don't know if it was because I was Canadian or it was just authors that were not as, you know, not in my local library anymore, but were still available to check out if, if you could branch out to a larger library system. I think I discovered um, Tasha Tudor, oh. Sherry. Mm. Um, one of my still favorites over and over by Charlotte Zolotow, uh, mm. which was just perfect for uh, the new year. Mm. It, it's such a cute book about the seasons. And the girl's birthday was in December. So it was just perfect for Kwanu because his birthday is in December too. Aww. And so like the the times of the year would fall like exactly perfectly. <laughs> Oh, so I, I loved that one. And um, the Obadiah books by Britton Turkle. Oh, my goodness. I fell in love with those books. And I searched out more of them. All these books I now own. But at the mm-hmm. time, I, I wasn't really purchasing books. We right. had the books I happened to get, you know, birthdays or friends. Now, mm-hmm. I was realizing, oh, there's a real... Some of these books are really excellent and I want yes. I want to own them. Um, well, it gets to be a point where you, you've checked out a book from the library for the fourth or fifth time and you're reading it multiple yeah. times when you've checked it out. And it was sometimes for me, it was like library late fees. Like by the time mm-hmm. I was paying late fees, I could have just bought the book. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say my librarians were really good. If you were late on picture books, they kind of looked the other way. <laughs> as yeah, long I as- hear that a lot. As long as they know you're reading them, they're totally okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing about having a list too is that, you know, it's hard to go to the library with three or four uh, stair oh. steps yes. and try to keep them out of everything and keep the littlest one from pulling all the books off the shelf and all that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> you can um most libraries you can reserve the books ahead of time and just pick them up right um, if you don't know what you're looking for though you, you can't do that how do you, how do you know really right. i mean you can but you it, you're looking through the whole the whole catalog and you're like yeah Well, another thing that's helpful about a list is there are some beloved authors who have some not great books, or maybe they're great for other people, but not great for you. So in our first meet, our first librarian conversation we had with, it was with Kathy Seeger and we were talking about Patricia Polacco Mm -hmm. and some of her books don't fit inside my value system. So I went to the library to pick up the Patricia Polacco books and the sweet librarian looked at me and said, I don't think you're going to like this one. 
And I said, really? She said, you might just want to not read that one out loud till you've previewed it. And it was so helpful to have that warning. And she was at, she was dead on, right? She had just, she had seen what I'd been checking out. She saw the trend. And so, but it was the only thing I knew how to do. I thought, here's an author I love. I, you know, I loved Rashenka's eggs and I loved some of her others. And I thought everything by her must be great. And for some families, it's probably perfect, but what that book was not perfect for us. And it would have been so much more helpful to have had a list to shop off of rather than flying blind like I was. Well, and the other way around, like um, Sarah was saying, this picture book preschool, I, I couldn't, like, there's probably five or six or seven books by Charlotte Zolotow in picture book preschool, but that she wrote, I don't know, 20 or 30 or 40. Right. Um, and if you get introduced to an author that you do love, mm -hmm. you, you can start to check out their other books that are not listed there. And, and, you know, you may come across one or two that you don't care for, but, um, but it gives you a lot of new authors to, to look at too. For sure. For sure. <laughs> How did you narrow those down? How did you say this Lois Lenski, not that one? Oh, goodness. Um, well, partly because I was looking at subjects like one week in October is about zoos and animals. So um, I was looking specifically for books about that theme. And so, yeah, um, some of the books that I left off are, are great picture books, but they didn't fit into the weeks or whatever. Yeah. You know, some people have what fear of missing out, you know? Yes. FOMO. It's not as if, if you can't find one of these books, then you've missed the, the most wonderful experience that you could ever have with your preschool. No. And you can, you know, you can look and substitute other books and things like that as you get more experience, but this is a good place to start out. Mm-hmm. One of the things I was thinking, too, as I was looking through it is that you don't have to approach this as though you got to get all these in in one year and then move on to the next curriculum. Mm -hmm. You, Especially if you have more than one child, you can go through this. At, Sarah, were you saying that you started with your son when he was three? So four right. years old is still preschool. Five <laughs> years old might still be a preschool. You can go through this over and over again and add your own and maybe take out something that, oh, we did that one and it just really didn't click with us. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But it's not like when the year's over, you must move on and you can't ever go through this again. You, you could use it for years. Yeah. And this really gave me the structure and, and just thinking of, oh, it would be great to read seasonally and mm -hmm. with the calendar and you know maybe we don't follow the topics in picture book preschool exactly how it was laid out for you know year after year after year but we do read now books about spring or about gardening or about um you know the beach in the summer and you know the various holidays and i think that's just really um something that the you know that kwanu looked forward to and that the kids that I think kids would look forward to that that you're reading books to them that are relevant to the world around them and then if you're also spending a lot of time outside then it just all kind of nicely fits ties together. together in a very natural way mm -hmm. yeah 
And you're also teaching them how to use the library for that kind of thing. I'm looking for books on a topic mm-hmm. when you can stand there with, you know, with a, on a shelf that the three-year-old can reach and they're picking through there and going, mom, is this one about snow? We should get this book. It's about snow. <laughs> wow. You just learned how to use the library. <laughs> <laughs> that is a life skill. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I want to just say that, you know, we have a good collection of picture books, not nearly as many as I would love to have because there are so many gorgeous picture books, but I have a friend who has a granddaughter who's just at the right, perfect age. And so I keep pulling books for her. Well, my 11 year old sits down on the couch and rereads every one of those books before it leaves the house. And then he rereads it when they come back in the house before he reshelves them for me. I'm to the point where I'm going to say, Jack, here's the bag, just go fill it. (laughs) And he'll sit and read because who among us doesn't, I mean, it's self-care to make a cup of tea and sit down with a picture book just for yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I love picture books for older kids too. Um, my older children, you know, as I had more children, my older children read a lot of picture books to their younger brothers and sisters. And that was always a, always a good experience for both, for both children. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So Sherry, have you ever updated this list or is it exactly as it was when you first I have updated it? I've taken out some books and and put in some others, um, mostly because there were a few books that that were so difficult to find Mm -hmm. that um, I thought, you know, this is just not, (laughs) this is just not worth, um, worth putting out there because it's just, just, they're just so hard to find. Sure. Um, and I found other books that be just as good. Yeah. Did you make a list of those for Jill? <laughs> no, I didn't. I should. <laughs> Jill, Jill was so cute. She said uh, recently on one of the podcasts that she, for many, many years, and she, the Purple House Press has been in business for 22 years. And for many, many years, she did an excellent job. And then she was starting to run out of ideas and she met Tanya. <laughs> and us and she said you girls are going to keep me busy for decades well then she met all of you library ladies and went I will never not be able to work (laughs) which is great (laughs) she has no plans to retire she plans to die on the job so (laughs) yeah actually I need to go through picture book preschool and look at all the books that are out of print and um and see how see how available they might be for reprinting because some of them are really uh, classic and yes. would be wonderful to have back in print. Yeah. Well, yeah. And now Jill can search biblio guides for picture book preschool books that are out of print. She can find them herself. Oh, good call, Sarah. <laughs> you mean when she suddenly finds herself with nothing to do? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do the search for her and suggest a few. And just popcorn her with them. Hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? <laughs> I did want to say that I'm really thankful to um, Sarah and Tanya at BiblioGuides for hosting because what I was doing before that was my husband prints some copies for me mm-hmm. and I can sell those and send them out to people. But a lot of people wanted just printable like PDF copy of the picture book preschool. And I was just emailing it to people and it, it, it was 
awkward and, you know, it's just been wonderful. How did that come about? I, it didn't even occur to me, but it, yeah, they asked me if I would like to do that. And I said, yes, <laughs> that would be wonderful. Yeah. I think we were talking first about having picture book preschool be a guide on biblio mm. guides so that we would have oh. all the books there and they would be searchable. And then, and then I think Tanya and I just thought, Sherry has this PDF version with these additional activities and the Bible verses. And some people would prefer it in this format. That's been a blessing. And it's, it makes it easy for people to get. Right. So to clarify, if you have a Biblio Guides membership, can mm-hmm. you find all of the picture book preschool books in Biblio Guides? You will be able to do that. We're working on all of them. Great. Uh, I think we have about 60 books left to wow. actually get finished and into the Biblio Guides website. But that's um, over 300 that are in there. Right. That's marvelous. Yeah. That's marvelous. And they're tagged as picture book preschool. And so it's, yeah, it's, they're really accessible. The thing that you get if you buy the PDF copy is obviously a printable copy of, mm-hmm. of the list. And then the character trade and Bible verse and activities that go with each week. There's a theme for each week or mm-hmm. a subject for each week. And then there's also a character trait to think about as you're reading. Um, it's not like these books are going to teach your child honesty for one week or um, peacemaking for another week, mm-hmm. um, but more like these are things that you could think about while you're reading uh, the week that has peacemaking for a character trait. Uh, one of the books is the story of Ferdinand by, uh, by Monroe Leaf. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's just a, a story about a peaceful bull who didn't want to fight in the bullfights. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a lovely story. And it's a way to, to open a conversation with your child about why would he not want to fight and why do they want him to fight? And if they want to talk about those things, you know. Marvelous. I thought it might be relevant when we're talking about where you can get it and how you can get it, just to say that. I did get the PDF and it's 54 pages long. So mm-hmm. we're not talking about like something that you might buy to print out and have, have to do a ream of paper. Ah, uh, yeah. So if you, you know, put it on both sides, it's only, you know, a little bit more than 25 pages that you would be using rather, you know, it's not a textbook. Right. Right. Well, and if you have the PDF, you can print it multiple times to do different things. Like you could have a a copy that's always in your car. So when you're going to the library, it's there or book sales or wherever. And keep one that doesn't have coffee spilled on it and jelly and stuff. Right. (laughs) Make your own notes about other books that you want to add or. Absolutely. (laughs) So Sarah, are you going to do it with Yuna? Yeah, I plan to. If she'll let me read to her. (laughs) (laughs) At some point she will. (laughs) Well, that's another thing I was thinking about when when I was thinking about all this and about picture books and stuff. I've been reading a lot of the picture books in picture book preschool to my grandchildren. One is three and the other is um, almost three. And one of the three-year-old, my grandson, is has a great attention span. And he will sit there and listen to a whole book 
and he just loves it. My granddaughter, who will be three in November, um, she's she's up for about half a book, and then she's off to do something else. And you know, that's okay. I have to talk to moms in my library about that sometimes. It's okay that they take the board book and they look at a couple of pictures and then they're done with it or they turn it upside down or all those kinds of things because they're learning and they're developing their attention span and their idea of what stories are and all that kind of stuff. Um, you need to go with, with their toleration and <laughs> span and not, not get impatient to, to be able to read the whole story or have them sit quietly. Um, they don't always do that. <laughs> My family and I went to the Art Institute in Chicago last spring, and it's a massive, massive museum. You can't get through it in a day. We could barely get through just where Monet and Renoir and Degas was in an afternoon. And we went twice, we went two different days. And when we went back, first day we went for four hours. We started with Renoir because he's one of my favorites. And we, we then kind of just bumped around and took a little peek at this, walked past that, stopped and contemplated this. We went back to my favorite Renoir three times before we left. Then we went back the next day because we, we wanted to. We, we decided not to do something else in order to go back. And we went up and saw Renoir again and went and saw Monet again. And this time, though, we really needed to get downstairs because we needed to see Homer Winslow, who we love. And we barely were able to scratch the surface. But that doesn't mean that that time in the museum was in any way lost. We got like 20,000 steps each day in that museum. We spent a total of eight hours in that museum. And I don't feel like we've even begun to get anything out of that museum. We just started. And I think that the same thing with picture books, even if they contemplate one picture in the picture book, if it's a truly excellent picture book, even one page, one picture has a gift to give them. And if it's a good experience, the chances are they will return to it and want to return to it again and again. The other thing about that is that if they have a short attention span and they walk away from the book, but they say, you keep reading it, mm -hmm. they're going to learn that this isn't just mom making me do something. She actually seems to like these books. <laughs> and if it's so good, what is she, you know, what is she reading that I'm missing out on? So there's a lot of aspects of that of teaching them to love reading by seeing you reading. They're wondering what you're up to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and they see that it's important to you. The other thing about picture books is that, that they're, um, you know, you were talking about art in the museum, but picture books are, are a child's introduction to art. Yes, they um, are. Writers of picture books are um as good an artist as any fine artist that you that Absolutely. you are familiar with, they just use a picture book medium instead of uh, paintings or whatever. So, as you're looking at the picture books, you know, like you said, if you just look at one picture and you look at it carefully and you talk about it, that's a, an educational experience in itself. Without, of course, you're, the story goes with it and it's a mm -hmm. unified thing. But if you only get to the picture, that's wonderful. 
you know, a taste of something delicious is still a taste of something delicious. And at some, a certain time, their their palate and their appetite will be ready to do the whole thing, have the whole meal, see the whole museum or or see the whole book. We we talked with John Tepper Marlin, the son of Hilda von Stockholm in August. And Hilda is a classically trained artist. I mean, she went to art school. The National Institute of Art, I think that's what it's called in Ireland, has her paintings. She is a professional artist. And yet some of her best work is in the illustrations she did for her picture books. If you look at the pictures in some of the books, just like Monet or something, you can look at them for literally years and find new things in these pictures because these artists have spent time Mm -hmm. putting these pictures together. Um, Peter Spire has these books that are wonderfully detailed and have all these little tiny little details that you that you can find and stuff and and some children really get into that so some grandmas do too (laughs) (laughs) one thing I wanted to say about the artwork though is that that's one reason that A list like this could be so valuable is that if you go and look in the library and just start going through the modern picture books, beauty is so last century. Mm -hmm. They are being deliberately ugly. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just really exhausted by that sometimes when I go in with my grandkids and, and try to look for picture books and just go, what is that? Why, why is everything so hideous? Why doesn't anything actually look like anything? It's just like Lego colored everything, you know, those basic colors and creepy looking people with giant heads. Everybody's drawing the same and they're hideous. So we need to go back to the old things if we want truth, goodness, and beauty. Mm Mm-hmm. There are some newer picture books that have really, I think, beautiful illustrations, but it's a lot of digital artwork. You know, in BiblioGuides, we catalog the type of artwork as well that's in the Mm. book. And so we've noticed a trend towards a lot of digital uh, artwork, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, But it does sort of have a similar look. And so it is nice to have a variety to have... To have some of these older picture books that have a wide variety of artistic techniques watercolor acrylics yes um they all have a unique look and like you said it's it's like it's like the child's first introduction to art so i like having that variety of of beauty that they can see digital art is beautiful too and there needs to be a trend towards beauty with any medium and so whether that's digital or watercolor or acrylic I even marvel, we've really enjoyed getting to know David Weitzman, and I really marvel at his essentially line drawings. And and then when he branched out and started using his colored pencils more, and with Pharaoh's Boat, it's amazing to think that the illustrator of something like Model T is the same illustrator who illustrated Pharaoh's Boat. Mm -hmm. And if you go on our website, you'll see David Weitzman's page. David has an amazing set of oil paintings that he did that he sent to Diane and I that gave us permission to put on the website. Just amazing, the range. But going back to what you're saying, Sherry, these artists, these illustrators, they've spent their career developing their craft. Yeah, I think of picture books as a, as a completely separate artistic medium. 
because they are art and text put together and sometimes by uh, two separate people, sometimes the same mm-hmm. of the author is, is the illustrator, but it's like being able to write a poem and illustrate it at the mm-hmm. same time, mm-hmm. which is an amazing thing to do. It, it's, it's just different. In our interview with David Weitzman, he talked about how tricky it is to bring those two things into balance. And we asked him, what do you start with? Do you start with the words or the images? He starts with the image because he feels that it's important to draw the the child's eye into the key subject matter. And so first what he does is he constrains himself by choosing what am I trying to show? No background, no scene setting. What is the thing that is the thing? draw that and then tell that. I think about my philosophy professor in college who said, you are required to not exceed five pages for this paper. And, you know, as a freshman, I'm thinking that's marvelous, a five page paper. That's so easy. No, (laughs) when you need to be concise, it's really hard to know what you can just cut. And I think picture book illustrators and author illustrators it's amazing how they're able to take a, and bring you into a whole world, tell a complex story in few words and few pictures. I think a lot of authors might start with at least an image in their head. You know, C.S. Lewis said that he started uh, the Narnia books with a picture of in his head of a, a fawn and a lamppost or something. With like the umbrella. That. With the umbrella. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that. Even people who aren't artists um, often start a story. It starts with an image. Maybe that's why picture books are so true, because they are so absolutely how we actually think. And we overcomplicate other things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that could be. And it also extends the age range that they appeal to, because if you can't read, there's a fascinating picture to look at. If you can read and the pictures are attractive and draw you in, it's just extra good, even for adults. I'm still, I go through and look through the picture book um, section in the library because I'm looking for beautiful pictures. And sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll check out a book for the beautiful pictures, even if I don't like the story. <laughs> it's nice to be able to relax and just enjoy something that simple. Mm-hmm. Like when we realized that Hilda had done picture books, Diane, and we didn't really know that going in. And then to get Patsy and the pup or little old bear, Mm -hmm. those books are like the perfect cup of tea, especially as a mama with Patsy and the pup. Sherry, do you know that book, Patsy and the pup by Hilda? Sherry, you would love it. I need to find that. (laughs) So they are. And the little old bear. And the little old bear. I'll include links to those. We reviewed both of them so you can see the pictures. They are so cute. Well, Sherry, is there anything you want people to know? Like, is there just something you want us to ask? I just want them to know that this picture book curriculum or really any any curriculum that you use is your tool. Yes. It's not your master. Yes. And that I, I think that 
using picture book preschool will will be a blessing to you. But if at any point it becomes like a burden, then back off a little. Like we were saying earlier, read one book this week or or don't read any, just go go to the art museum or whatever and come back to it with a with a new refreshed outlook because yeah. curriculum isn't meant to be a burden right it shouldn't be right especially especially not when we're talking about preschoolers and kindergartners mm-hmm. this should be a time of wonder and awe and joy and inspiration you should do the things that just make you and your child light up that's what you should be focused on. Yeah. And really, I think you'll enjoy all of the books in, in Picture Book Preschool, but if there are any that you and your child don't enjoy that much, then don't read them again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't have to love all of the book. So the yeah. rule is there are no rules. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so we want mamas, because we know there are dads listening too, but we know mostly mamas. Mamas, we just want you to understand that this is meant to bless you, not to burden you. This is meant to encourage you. This is not, uh, as Sherry says, this is a tool. This is not a tyrant. And so take what works for you and leave the rest. And be, you know, feel free to get to know your library system a little bit better. And if you find that your library doesn't have a lot of these books, like you're having a lot of trouble finding these books, this might be a moment of social action for you. Maybe you need to go sit down with your librarian and say, can we, can we talk about this list here? <laughs> Are these books that you might consider acquiring? Are these books that um, you would be willing to enter library loan for me? And if there's a living books library in your area, they will have these books. Look <laughs> they will have a lot of them. <laughs> and we will definitely leave a link for the living books libraries inside of this, the show notes for this one as well. So people can see if there's one near them. Mamas out there who are thinking about potentially becoming a living book librarian someday, you know, you could just be a picture book, living book librarian. You could just start with where you're at, what you have. So when you're trying to justify buying picture books, just remember you might be a librarian someday and need them. (laughs) (laughs) What I did was that when my kids got old enough to move out, I sent, I let them have their books that had their names in them because they would mostly get books from grandparents for birthdays and Christmas and they would have their names inside them. And then as when I got grandkids and was and helping with homeschoolers and um, I went, shoot, now my, now my, all my books are in three different places. I have to go get those again. (laughs) So think ahead, think ahead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> purge toys don't purge books yeah so with the books in biblio guides with picture book preschool they're tagged as picture book preschool but are they tagged in any other way like are they obviously they're probably tagged with their their the normal way that you tag yeah picture book preschool is a guide and we've tagged the theme mm-hmm. and the month so Perfect. if you did want to follow it through the year, you could look ahead and say, oh, November's coming up. You know, what are the books that we might be reading in November and put them on hold at your library? Or if you need interlibrary loan, you might need to plan a little bit ahead. So yeah, you can search by month and by theme and browse them that way. Nice. You so guys now- are amazing. <laughs> they are. <laughs> so one of the things that I think that is really fantastic is that this exists as a PDF 
for purchase in BiblioGuides, it's $6. It's not even the cost of a picture book. <laughs> so for $6, you could go in and you could support Sherry and you could have this resource that's printed and, and has all of the additional things like the activity and the scripture verse and really be kind of a neat and tidy little package for you. And it would be much, much cheaper than buying some kind of fancy curriculum. But that said, there's, there is also another option. If you go into BiblioGuides, if you're a member of BiblioGuides and you go into BiblioGuides, you can follow Sherry. You can follow Picture Book Preschool. You can search the entire BiblioGuides database for her books and get them based upon their theme and their month. And then you can print them from your, make your own custom book lists and you can discern in there which ones you own, which ones you're getting from the library, which ones you want to own. It's really neat. Um, if you can afford to do both, do both. If you could only afford to do one, do one. Either way, the point is to get the picture books and enjoy reading aloud with your babies. Absolutely. Yay. <laughs> Sherry and Sarah, thank you for your time today for and Sherry for sharing yourself with us in this format that's not just your discussion with us but the things that you have written down for us to take home with us and keep. Mm -hmm. Sherry and Sarah, thank you so much for working together to make something this beautiful so easily accessible. And Sherry, thank you for keeping it affordable. You understand mamas. You really do love mamas. And you're trying to bless them. And I think that's very obvious. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for, like Diane said, sharing yourself and sharing your goodness. And um, we look forward to having you come back. We have lots more conversations to have. Oh, yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. 